I told you there were plenty of work for everybody, didn't I? Oh, typically masculine arrangement, though. We do all the dirty work, you get all the fun. You don't think mixing the singularly noxious compound is fun, do you? You're listening to Oi Spaceman, a Doctor Who love story. A nerdy podcast hosted by a husband and wife team who just love talking about all things Doctor Who. We're sex positive, LGBTQIP plus friendly, and decidedly not fans of Stephen Moffat. Spoilers, naughty language, and other adult content may lie within. Oh, I could murder a cup of tea. You're serious, aren't you? About what I do, yes. Not necessarily the way I do it. Welcome once again to episode 11 of the Oi Spaceman, a Doctor Who love story podcast where uh, my wife and I sit and talk about all things Doctor Who. I'm Daniel and I am joined by my lovely, lovely wife, Shana. Say hello, Shana. Hello. And uh, today we're actually starting kind of a new little project um, in preparation for the upcoming series eight. We're going to be, uh, of, of the new series, of course, we're going to be talking about um, all the episodes leading up starting with the beginning of series seven. Uh, for the next few episodes, uh, kind of leading into the new series. So um, these are going to be kind of mini-capsule kind of conversations and try to kind of focus mostly on kind of what, you know, kind of what it bodes for for Series 8 um, and just kind of do like a general thoughts on these things. So uh, we're trying to do maybe 15 minutes per uh, episode. These are um, Some of these we'll definitely come back to in future um, in future podcast episodes. But uh, for now, uh, I think we did. I did want to kind of spend some time talking about series seven because I think there's a lot to unpack. Um, so um, I think we should get started. How do you feel, Shana? I feel good about it, and I just just to let you know, I'm expecting you to play timekeeper here. No, no, don't worry. I'm watching the clock. We're we're good. <laughs> don't worry. Um, all right. Um, so before we get started here, uh, I'm actually going to talk about, uh, I'm actually going to ask you a, a, just a little brief digression. Um, talking about Series 8, um, is there anything you're particularly like wanting to see in Series 8 or anything you're particularly not wanting to see in Series 8? Well, and I'll talk about this a bit as we talk about the episodes and the rest of our show. But... Oh, by the way, today, I'm sorry, I completely forgot. Today we're actually going to be talking about the first three episodes of Series 7. Uh, Asylum of the Daleks, uh, uh, third one's A Town Called Mercy, and the second is Dinosaurs on a Spaceship. So, my apologies, I've completely yeah. fucked us up there. But, um, yeah, nobody expects professionalism from, from us at this point. No, not at all. All right. <laughs> so, we're talking about those three episodes briefly. Um, um, and we actually yeah. just got finished rewatching um, A Town Called Mercy maybe 15 minutes ago. So, that's always fun. But based on um, those three episodes, what I'm I'm hoping for is a little less action movie vibe. Um, I feel like that has been around for a lot of the Moffat era of feeling like, you know, oh my gosh, we're chasing. And, and I know Doctor Who is all about running, but I don't know. I'd love more conversations between characters that last you know, a while, if that, if that makes sense. It does. I mean, um, Series 7, I mean, uh, they said going into it that every single episode of Series 7 would kind of be not only its self-contained story, but they wanted each one to feel like a little movie. Um, I mean, so that was, that was a definite goal they had going into Series 7. Um, whether you like that or not is, is kind of, you know, I mean, it's a personal preference. Um, and yeah. I think you and I have very specific opinions about that, but um, that was a goal that they had. Um, just from these three episodes, speaking generally, do you think they achieved the goal of kind of making them each feel like little movies? I mean, they all three have a very clear um, identity. Uh, they, they look different. They feel different. Tonally, they're different. Um, they are kind of little encapsulated stories. Um, but they're also, they feel disjointed the way sometimes movie trilogies do that I usually expect TV shows to not have. <laughs> right. Um, if that makes sense. Like, there, there's a lot of time between each episode, um, in their universe and in ours for that matter. Right. There, well, there was a week in ours between each episode, but yeah, but like between the series. Right. Right. Um. Anyway, I I just 
I think that they were a little overpacked and a little too quickly paced where I would have preferred smaller stories that they actually took time with their characters and you got to feel things get really deeply talked about. Sure. Uh, yeah, no, I, I feel the I feel pretty much the exact same way. I think that um, the the Moffat era, you know, um, in particular Series 7, um, they are moving at breakneck pace, and I think that, that becomes really, really clear towards the end, um, which we'll get to in a few episodes. You know, when you get to, you know, Matt Smith's last episode, and stuff is just flying at you constantly. Yeah. Um, and they're literally, you know, like resolving whole seasons worth of plot and, you know, a single line of dialogue sort of thing. So, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, which the, the speed of it is not necessarily a bad thing if you're thinking of it as kind of a thrill ride, a roller coaster. Um, and I think that there are some quiet moments that are pretty nice um, in, yeah. in all three of these episodes. But I think that um, overall, I mean, the, the speed of it is just, it's not just that it's fast, it's that it's disjointed and tonally shifting all over the place sometimes. And uh, just it's, it's, it's asking you to kind of accept a lot. You have to swallow a lot just to kind of get started with some of this. So um, would you say that you're hoping maybe that it slows down and it feels a little bit less action movie kind of feeling for the next uh, series? Yes, I would say that is what I hope. Okay. Well, um, you know, that kind of preamble, um, why don't we uh, kind of move into the first episode of the three we're going to talk about, uh, Asylum of the Daleks. Mm-hmm. Um, general thoughts on Asylum of the Daleks. And I'm not going to give plot synopsis here. I mean, it, hopefully you've all seen all these episodes. <laughs> Um, in, in general, there were more small moments that I enjoyed in Asylum of the Daleks that I had kind of forgotten about, but all the things I don't like are just there, and they're so glaring. Asylum of the Daleks is definitely one we're going to come back to and do a full episode on at some point, um, and so I don't want to spend... Um, an hour going through all the stuff that we liked and didn't like about this episode. But um, could you kind of summarize it in, in, a, in a couple of sentences, maybe? Well, I think my biggest issue with Asylum of the Daleks um, has to be just Amy's character. It feels it feels really random. It doesn't feel true to what they have done. Um and I think Rory is definitely the most interesting one, and we see little of him. And Clara is a really interesting character. Oh, she's and... Oswin in this one, remember? Yes, Oswin is a really interesting character, and she would have been a lovely, beautiful character if this had been her only episode. Um knowing that she comes back and this is just an iteration of her actually kind of lessens the emotional impact for me. Um, but yeah, I mean, there there are good moments in it. There are funny moments in it, but there's also just weird sexist stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, at the risk of, uh, just to, just to kind of come back, I want to uh, talk for a minute. I mean, uh, first of all, this was the first episode of the series, and there were like a series of short films, like little minute long or thirty second long or something like that, little little mm-hmm. um, short movies, short TV episodes, minisodes that aired online, so you could kind of watch them going up to this. And one of them was um, like, "There's an ood on the loo," you know. So they're mm-hmm. taking this uh, magnificent species that from the Russell T. Davy Gardner era and turning it into a joke about an ood being on the toilet. Um, uh-huh. so that, that's, that's nice to see. Um, and then the, there's another in which, uh, Amy and Rory get divorced or are going through a divorce. They break up and that's just kind of presented as a, as a thing that's going on in this episode. And part of what happens in this episode is the resolution of that plot thread. Uh-huh. Um, I think it's incredibly lazy to literally break up these two characters before the, series starts and then to not really give that any time to breathe at all i think that that's um, one of the big failures of this uh you know of this series honestly and and in the middle of it she has a moment with the doctor where she says she can't hold on to a job because she's always waiting to hear the tardis coming back to her and it, it just you know I have never liked the does she love Rory or the Doctor more situation because if she has any two cents, she loves Rory and the Doctor is just a friend. <laughs> right. 
Well, the idea that there's a love triangle there. Yeah. The, the idea that there's some, which is, uh, well, yeah, we're going to talk about that um, in Dinosaurs on a Spaceship. I definitely have some thoughts about the doctor, the doctor and sexuality and such. But, um, you know, there, there's so much, uh, I don't know, what else do you have to say about, anything else about the Amy Rory doctor thing and Asylum of the Daleks you want to talk about? Uh, I don't think so. I, that, okay. that, those were the main moments for me. Sure. Um, I, I think that there's, you know, there's a lot. First of all, I will say, I think Asylum of the Daleks is, uh, it is not my least favorite episode of all time. Um, it's no. probably not even my least favorite episode of the new series, although it comes close. Uh, but I do think it is my least favorite episode that aired that ends with the words of the Daleks. I, and there are some really strong contenders in mm-hmm. the classic series. Uh, and this is this this might be even worse for me than Destiny or Planet of the Daleks, um, which you haven't seen either one, and pray you never have to, um, because they're both pretty awful. I just feel like these aren't even the Daleks. Yeah, they're not, and we know that Moffat um, doesn't like the Daleks. Um, we know that he just doesn't really like them as villains. I wish they just weren't included here. Um, in the promos for this, like before it aired, they made a big deal about how we brought back every single Dalek that was ever shown in this, like every single model of Dalek that was ever shown is somewhere in this episode. And, um, they do nothing with it. They really do nothing with that, that opportunity to do that. Um, Oh, and they have that really, that moment that could have been so interesting where, um, Amy is mentally connected to these like misfit broken Daleks and they seem to have like this whole social life and personalities and it's like oh my god that would have been a really cool episode but it gets 10 seconds and it's a joke right and I mean you know you get the like the little ballerina Dalek and it's funny how I remember when this episode aired you know Tumblr like exploded with all these like fan art images of like the ballerina Dalek you know I they told me I could be anything so I wanted to be a ballerina you know and the idea of like um the uh Rory uh giving the Dalek its eggs thing which yeah. I think is still a wonderful moment such an empathetic moment for for Rory yeah um yeah um the whole you know there's a lot to like in this episode um mm-hmm. you know the the surprise uh appearance of of Clara or of Oswald of Oswin in this um, and you know that character I did find just kind of talking about um, uh, Jenna Coleman in this um, I did find this is our first time rewatching these since they originally aired I don't think you've seen any of them since they aired a year ago um, and I haven't gone back to rewatch them um, I really remember liking Oswald in the in the first like when I saw this the first time like she was spunky she had some good lines she was cute and clever and has all this cool stuff rewatching it now it seemed a lot more artificial um yep and um the goal is I believe I remember seeing that the first time around but you know sure I mean it, it felt art I mean Ultimately, they introduce a new character, and this is something Doctor Who has kind of always done. You know, they introduce their new companions or their new, you know, every time a new Doctor shows up, the, the first goal is to make you love that new Doctor, you know, or the first, that, that, that character. It's supposed to be, this is fun, this is cool, this is somebody you want to follow around. You're supposed to get this really strong attraction to them immediately. Um, and I think that if this was the version of, if Oswald Oswald if, you know, space pilot girl, hacker girl was kind of the version that we eventually ended up with, um, maybe we, I would, I would feel differently, but I do think that like, it's, it seems so forced. No, Um, that's true. You know, um, and then we're going to meet her again in the snowman. And then finally we get to meet the the real, the Clara, the, the real, the original version. Um, this is setting up that whole impossible girl arc, which we're going to talk a lot about, um, here in a few weeks. Um, because that's kind of the main, the big arc of the second half of the seventh series, um, and annoyed the piss out of me when it was airing. So hopefully, maybe I'll I'll be less annoyed by it when we go back through it and and you know a few hours instead of a few weeks. Yeah, I doubt that. Um, but uh, you know, I do I do think that there's so much like queer baiting going on here and kind of sex baiting and like so much like she's she's got uh, here's here's kind of. You know, if we were to encapsulate the issue in a in a in a nutshell, she has that line where uh, it's like the doctor says, "How did you hack into the Dalek system?" And she says, "How do you say uh, total screaming genius in a way that it sounds uh, off-putting and or uh, self-deprecating and a little bit sexy?" 
which if the doctor had said that line about her, mm-hmm. you wouldn't, you know, to me, having a character say that about themselves is sort of the, the fundamental issue I have almost with the writing, that it's a clever line and it sounds cute, but to put it in, their, in, the, in a character's mouth to say about themselves makes me really hate that character. Yeah, I, I, I can see what you're saying. Um, I don't think that that's my primary issue, but I, I definitely can see what you're saying. It's just, it's just one of those things where, like, it's hard to even summarize. Like, going through these episodes okay. briefly... We're supposed to be keeping time. Sure. No, we got uh, we got like five more minutes on this episode. Before, okay. You know, but going through these episodes quickly, um, you know, just going through and kind of thinking about what I object to. A lot of it is that kind of that shorthand. That kind of you know, we're we're doing this really quickly, mm-hmm. and we're you know, it feels clever without being deep. It feels like it's trying really hard to to be clever in the moment but there's no takeaway from it it's just sort well, it's of a lot of um kind of dawson's creek gilmore girls quippy kind of stuff right For joss whedon like, or joss whedon um i think joss whedon does the horror action stuff better than moffat sure um at least at uh when he's really on fire um well, and I will say, you know, I kind of make fun of Whedon a little bit for mm-hmm. this, too. But at least when he gives them a clever line, it's a clever line that comes from the character as opposed yeah. to it feels like it's just put in place. Like, like it doesn't none of these none of these funny quips feel like they come from the characters. It feels like it comes from a writer thinking he's really clever. Yes. No, because essentially what he's saying is I don't know how to make her say something that that is incredibly witty and also kind of sexy. So I'll have her make a joke about it, which makes her then seem kind of dumb. Right, right. Or just self-centered or whatever. I mean, you know, just... Undercuts herself. So there are... There are many moments where it feels like Moffat is winking at the audience. Like, you see what I did there? And with the whole repetition of... um, Oh well, he didn't say I speak di- dinosaur, did he? But <laughs> no, he, but he he had some line that he always has. Well, they say Geronimo, but Amy says Geronimo, right? And yeah. like you know, they, um, you know, for me, it's like, and and I get the show's coming back, and you're trying to like give people this kind of big moment. Um, for me, the biggest moment of the week to the camera bit is at the end of the episode when the Daleks have like had their minds erased, which makes no sense, by the way. Um. Nope. And, uh, you know, they don't remember the Doctor, and they're saying Doctor Who, Doctor Who, Doctor Who, and then, you know, I mean, Matt Smith is almost looking right in the camera and saying, you're gonna, you're gonna be asking that forever, guys, you know, like, um, and the, they, they had kind of advertised this, you know, every series of Doctor Who, especially in the Moffat run, has had, like, some overarching, like, idea that is, like, the core of it. And they said this year, for the 50th anniversary year, the big idea is Doctor Who, question mark. Like, who is the Doctor? Yeah. Um, that which, was so annoying. Which is both really annoying and really stupid. And we're definitely going to talk about that more later on. Um, we've got a couple more minutes on Asylum of the Daleks. Um, if you have other thoughts, um, I definitely do, but... We're trying to keep it brief, but go ahead. <laughs> say what you yeah. got to say. Um, so the main other thing I want to point out is that I hate the people with the Dalek things in their forehead. I don't think it makes any sense. <laughs> right. Um, it doesn't make any sense with the Dalek characters, and I think they look kind of dumb, and, you know, whatever. So that's well, my final thought. I, I kind of hate that. I, I'm kind of coming to... Um, you know, there is some thematic stuff, you know, because we end with the the revelation that Oswin has been taken over and she's a Dalek. And I think that's a good idea that, like, if we're going to start with that, I wish it wasn't the Daleks. I wish they'd created this new villain for this, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that, speaking of it in terms of, like, talking about it in the history of the show, I think they're trying to kind of bring back the Robomen idea, which was in the, like, the second ever Dalek serial has these... Um, mind-controlled humans, you know, that have, like, little robot apparatus on their heads and are, they're the robo-men, and they're essentially, they take the orders of the Daleks and they do all the, the, the grunt work and the dirty work for the Daleks. Um, and they kind of end up as being enforcers and stuff. And if you kind of see this as, like, an extension of that or the new version of that, I wish they just called it that or they, like, made reference to it in some way if that was what they were trying to do. 
um, as it is, it feels very um, just not the Daleks are not subtle. You know, yeah. um, they have you know they do sometimes work with people or work with um, other species and kind of further answer their goals. And I almost wish that they had just um, had humans that were like loyal to them or something rather than have um well like in the, the daleks in daleks in manhattan in manhattan thank you with the pig people right the pig people and then the guy um i forget his name but there was the guy who was um uh, actually working for the daleks he was actually yeah. you know he, he kind of I, aligned himself with them at that at least that it felt like true to their character right anyway yeah, and you see that quite a bit in the classic series, too. So that's not something that was, like, invented out of whole cloth in the RTD Gardener era. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, you know, it's just sort of one of those one of those things. Um, any final thoughts on some of the docs before we move on? That's it for me. Okay. Um, we will definitely talk about this episode a lot more down the line, I promise. <laughs> um, because there's a lot to unpack in Asylum of the Dallas. I almost want to go through it line by line. I, I hate that episode so much. And there's so much to like about it, too, but I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Um, moving on to Dinosaurs on a Spaceship. Uh, general thoughts on Dinosaurs on a Spaceship. Uh... Good? Bad? I mean, did you like the episode? Did you not like the episode? Well, you know, I did not like the episode. I did not like it the first time around. But what I realized in this time around is that there is there's more stuff in it than I like than I realized, which is primarily the two robots. The two robots, they feel very... Um, you mentioned Jim Henson when we were watching it just a, yeah. a little bit ago. Um, they feel not only Jim Henson, they feel a little Douglas Adamsy to me. They feel they feel yeah. a little like um, like the Vogons and the and Hitchhiker's Guide or something, you know, kind of. Um, I I think the humorous moments in this, like I I appreciated, um, but again, there were just lots of moments that I felt so disappointed by the character, the character points. Um, how Nefertiti is like, I will not be owned, I will, like, she's super awesome. There's even kind of a, like, possible homoerotic moment with her and, and Amy. And, Queer baiting. Yeah, and, you know, there's all this hotness, and then at the end you see her coming out of the asshole misogynist's tent with her hair down, like, they just did it. And I was like, no, you did not do that to my Nefertiti. Well, and A, okay, let's just, you know, I get that Moffat's a big Fifth Doctor fan, kind of era fan. I get that, you know, that was kind of the era that they had Team TARDIS. And they had, a, like, instead of, like, one or two companions, they had, like, a big group of people that were traveling with the Doctor. And I get, like, wanted to do that. Why the hell is Riddell and Nefertiti even in this damn episode? No clue. Um... There are so many other things you could do that don't involve essentially plucking A. The way that Nefertiti is introduced to us is essentially she's a strong woman who's essentially trying to, um, you know, date rape the doctor at this point. Um, You know, so strong woman coming out of the doctor. The doctor is acting like a spoiled bratty child who has no idea what sexual um, interest is. Um, which is a uh, key to the Moffat Doctor, I think, and yeah. one of the most hated things that I have about it. One of the most like anti. Anyway, that's I could. I'm not gonna rant about that, but that's definitely something that I just hated from the get go about this episode. Um, so you're bringing Nefertiti in. You're bringing this big game hunter guy, and you're you're doing this episode. And I mean, ultimately, the big game hunter guy is, is there to shoot at the dinosaurs, which isn't needed. Um, like on a plot wise, you can do other things, mm-hmm. you know, and Nefertiti's there just to be this really valuable. She's essentially there to be an object at the end, you know, yeah. and to look really hot, which she does look really hot. I'm well, not, you and know, it's, it sucks because there's so many moments where they, they objectify her directly where the, I, what's the bad guy's name? Oh, um, Solomon, 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 Solomon. He out and out calls her an object. And she then gets a really nice moment where she gets to beat his ass down and says, like, no one owns me. I will not be an object. But the narrative treats her as an object. But then the narrative... And it's just like, ah, I'm confused. What are you trying... Why do you do this to me? Um, Well, and I really think that... I mean, I will say, I remember watching this one the first time, and I really 
hated this one from start to finish. Rewatching it, I hate the first half of it almost without reservation. Um, once you get to the serious bit, once you kind of meet Solomon and the doctor has his scenes with Solomon and you get the kind of more, um, you find out that Solomon's a genocidal maniac and all that kind of stuff. I, I liked that a lot more than I remembered. Um, I do wish the Silurians had more to do than just being like the, the victims, um, because the Silurians are interesting characters. And I think that they, you know, if they had been around in some fashion, I would have liked that more. Um, well, and I, think... I also liked the moments where Amy got to be really kick-ass, and there's that moment where Amy basically has her companions, mm-hmm. and she's sitting there saying, you know, now that's actually a good question, and I, I, it, it's just, and then of course the doctor fixes their marriage. Or wait, was that? No, in the that last was an asylum of the Daleks. That, I'm sorry. No, 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 that's I, fine. It it all blends together, and I just get pissed. Yeah, no, the the uh, that was an asylum of the Daleks. Um, this is, you know, interestingly, going back and rewatching these, I really wish that they had just um, written out Amy and Rory at the end of series six, yeah. and we could have just started. Imagine if you started off series seven, Jenna Coleman was the new companion. And he rescues her at the end of Asylum of the Daleks, and then she's just the companion for the rest of this. Like, I, I, I think that Amy and Rory still having five episodes to go at the beginning of the series, um, it just hangs a pall over everything, and it's like this is this thing. Well, there are these vestigial organs that we have to deal with, and there's and... just like it this long drawn out thing of. Well, what about your jobs? And oh, you're you're visiting less and less often. And and oh, well, it's it's time for us to go soon. And we have lives. And but uh, it's just like all right, okay. Like it, it's I I think it's similar to how some people feel the David Tennant era ended. Right. I and I didn't feel that way about the David Tennant era, but the Amy and Rory era, I was just like, even though Rory is my favorite thing and. In most of those episodes. Right. Well, Rory's great. Rory's empathetic. Rory's thinking. Rory's like Rory's the one in this episode, you know, he's like, I'm a nurse and I find all these cool little nursing things and he heals his dad and it's like his dad and he have a moment where it's like, No, I really am useful to this world, Dad. Whereas dad, you know, yeah. it's played off as a joke at the you know, like it's it's stupid the way again sitcom writing you know where it's like the father says one thing against rory and like approves of amy and suddenly you're supposed to read in you know decades of you know neglectful fatherhood or whatever well Um, i think what's even better is you have a moment where they have established that they the father and son think they don't have anything in common but the dad's coming over and he's fixing the light because he knows how to do that and now you have the moment where the son gets to be the nurse because that's what he knows how to do. And there's respect. And it's, like, so easy. You could have made it so easy, just a few subtle changes that could have been a really big character-building moment. Right. And it's just <clears throat> passed right over to make another stupid joke. Right. Well, and they spend a lot... I mean, again, the first... It's funny because we watched this like about about half of it last night and then about half of it this morning or this afternoon um, because we were just tired and we were ready to go to bed. So we finished. We in the first again that first half where it's all the jokey like the doctor has a Christmas list and you know the yeah. um, the sitcomy there are dinosaurs on a spaceship and all that stuff. I was just I'm I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it. And then literally almost from the minute that we picked up again, which is about halfway through the episode, I'm suddenly like, oh, I'm kind of involved in this again. Um, they're actually telling a story here, um, which is interesting to kind of, to, to have viewed it that way and to suddenly go, I, I kind of, I think it ends stronger than it begins. And I think That's there fair. is stuff I like in this one, um, you know, and overall I kind of do have a fairly positive opinion of Dinosaurs on a Spaceship, even though I really hate all the, the jokey, stupid stuff at the beginning. It's, it's okay. It's okay. It's not a great episode. Um, I really they're... want to know more about who made those robots because uh, they look like they're fabrications. They don't look CGI. They look real, and they are really cool. Yeah, no, I mean, like, who who came up? Like, that's a really cool idea for these two characters, honestly. You know, um, if Robert Holmes was still alive, I would think they were Robert Holmes creations because that's a very kind of Holmesian thing to do to have these, like, 
two bickering robots suddenly show up in the middle of an episode. Um, but Robert Holmes died like 30 years ago, so that anyway. clearly wasn't happening. But, um, you know, like, I'm, I'm just suddenly it's like, wow, there, there's actually something I really like in this episode. Yeah. Um, and it's, uh, you know, it's it's kind of funny to, to, to look back on it and just go, yeah, that episode was kind of nothing. But then there is a, there were a couple of things I liked in this. And I, and I do think the villain is is pretty good and pretty um, well established. I wish that we had more time with him. I wish we had kind of. Um, yeah. You know, I like the doctor kind of confronting individuals who are who are bad guys, like as opposed to. I still to, have issues with him just killing him the way he does. Yes. Um, but we can talk about that more on, in A Town Called Mercy, I think. Sure, sure. Um, uh, we've got to, I mean, we, we don't have to. We can you know, kind of keep talking about it or we can move on to A Town Called Mercy. Do you have any other thoughts about dinosaurs on a spaceship? What do you think oh, of the effects? Um, I like the effects in general. Some of them get a bit hokey. But like I said, and I mean, part of this is because I am a junkie on all that sci-fi channel reality show stuff with the makeup Mm -hmm. and the puppets. Um, Y'all know what shows I'm talking about, if you care about them, too. Uh, But I saw those robot characters and I was like, I wish that they were in more of the episode. They're so funny. They're like the vultures and Disney's Robin Hood. Um, And I loved that, and I and you know me about my side characters. I don't know why, but for me, that's where a lot of the interest happens. Well, I mean, um, Doctor Who is is essentially we've kind of talked about it before. It's essentially an anthology series, and so <laughs> the focus should really almost never be on the Doctor and his companions. the The focus right. should be on the story that you're inhabiting, and that you know the Doctor kind of waltzes into a story that's halfway finished most of the time. Um, which is, I mean, it's such a great narrative structure, and I feel like the Moffat era just does not do that very often. The Doctor is well, always the focus of whatever story is going on. But I will say, I was really bothered by the fact that the dinosaur died. Yeah, the, the, well, and it's like the bad guy literally just has, like, they, it's not only like he has to kill the dinosaur, but you have to spend... A full minute of screen time, basically watching the dinosaur die. You know, it's like, awful. Um, and and it's like you know, it can't just it it has to be like played up for this like big emotional moment, and it's this painful thing. But it's also like I care because you've made me care about this particular dinosaur because he chases after golf balls, um, which okay, again, just one of those silly moments, but. Um, and they've gotten to ride this dinosaur, but like they don't really have a relationship with this dinosaur either. No, but um, it's it's kind of one of those things. It's like okay, here we're going to give you a puppy a puppy analog. Yeah, that you're going to awe after, and the entire creation of this character is so that I can shoot it, so that then you hate the bad guy, even though you haven't gotten to spend that much time with him. So when the doctor kills him, it feels justified, even though the doctor didn't used to kill people. Right. Well, the doctor does allow people to. I see this, and and this it, that bothered me a lot the first time I watched it, but it bothered me less this time, because I feel like that. Um, mm. I I do wish the doctor had given him another option to get out. Um, I do think that this is one of those situations where the Doctor is essentially, he is stuck between two factions who are each, you know, he's fighting essentially both. He's fighting the humans on the ground who are destroying, uh, you know, this big space station thing, this, this mm-hmm. spaceship, because they don't, they don't understand it and it's, they think it's going to destroy them. Mm-hmm. And then there's this evil guy on the inside and he has to kind of defeat both factions at once, which is one of my favorite kind of Doctor Who things to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I do wish that it was handled a little bit more elegantly. I just, I ultimately wish that the kind of fun and games we're running around, we're having silly music tone thing, mm-hmm. was less of the episode, and we spent more time with Solomon and with that conflict. I think that. Well, um, yeah, and for ahead. me, I, I'll I'll say like, because. I'm 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 about to have the complete opposite opinion in in the next episode we talk about, um, but I just the the essential character difference of of the Doctor being someone who says like, 
you you killed my dog, so I'm gonna kill you. Right. Um. And that, but I save everyone else, and yay. And yes, Solomon was a very bad character, and they painted him to be pretty evil, but like in pretty much the most stereotypical lazy writing ways. Like he shot a dog, basically. Right. I mean, he's literally got to kick the dog moment. I mean, you know, like. Yeah, you you can't. The dog uh, just happens to be a triceratops, and it happens to be shot with a with a laser gun from a robot. So you know we're in science fiction land, yay! But literally, it's like no, the fact that he killed off this this you know the last inhabitants of this race of people, the Salarians, mm-hmm. that wasn't enough. Um, yeah, we're going the fact to that he kind of, and I mean, kind of cracked a smile even. It was like, are, is he supposed to be a sociopath? I'm not entirely sure. Because he's saying, like, we probably left a trail of bone and dust, man. And it's like, oh, God. Yeah, no, I mean, and, I mean, Solomon is, I mean, again, I really, I just wish there was more of him. I wish you kind of got to know him a little bit better so <laughs> that you actually did feel something for I mean, you know, I don't know. For me, the tonal shift between... Look, we're riding a dinosaur, and I've committed a genocide for the money. You know, like, those two things are both in this episode, and they're literally 60 seconds apart, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So it's, uh, it's, it's a tough episode to wrap your head around. I, again, I liked it more than I did the first time I watched it. I think they're, it's salvageable, but I do, like, really, really hate the, just the, the sheer jokiness of that first. Like, it feels like a silly sitcom in that first 20 minutes or so. Yeah. Um, final thoughts on dinosaurs on a spaceship? No, done. Oh, um, what did you think of Rory's dad? Oh, wait, no, yes, things to say. Uh, <laughs> we can spend another couple minutes. Go ahead. Uh, this episode, like, I would love it so much more if the entire focus was on Rory and his dad, and it could be like um, Blink. Where the doctor and and the other companion kind of show up every once in a while in the background. Um, That's just a random idea I'm picking out the top of my head. (laughs) But um, their moments were so interesting. And I think the casting of of the Weasley dad um, was, was smart. It's good casting. Uh, and, you know, Brian is a good character. I mean, he he's given kind of nothing to do. He shows up in the next or in, in Power of Three. He shows up, and then he kind of you know you know it's it's like it's meant to add pathos to it. It again kind of comes down to that like, and now the pawns are going to have to leave, and what they're gonna and we're meeting his dad right before they're going to leave. So it just. And again, like, I like the character. I wish it hadn't been necessary. I, you know, I, I wish that if yeah. they were going to do it, they would have done it earlier. Or... Say so. That moment with him sitting on the edge of the TARDIS, looking at the planet, eating his little sandwich and sipping his tea is precious. No, that's a great, that's a great, great um, bit of the episode. And um, I found it more moving on the second viewing than I did on the first viewing. Because, but I still think it's, it's, it's cheap, it's special effects, it's superfluous, it has nothing to do with the episode as a whole. You know, it just, you brought him in so you could give him, I don't know, I, I like the character, I like the moment, it is one of the things I like about it, but I just, it feels too little too late, and it also feels like we're deepening this character that we're only going to have around for a couple of episodes. Yeah. You know, um, so it just, it just kind of, you know. It feels like a dick move. Right, and and it feels like you you could have taken that time and used it for uh, the Solomon character. You know, if you hadn't had Rory's dad in it, you you would have had that extra ten minutes or so to spend with the villain of the piece or with the Silurians themselves, who we barely get to see in this episode. And they're such fascinating like metaphors, if nothing else. We could have done something with that. So, uh, you know, it does feel like a missed opportunity, but I do like the character. So I, you know, again. Uh, any other final thoughts, dinosaurs on a spaceship? Moving on. No, done. Town called Town called Mercy. Man, this is this is easy. You know, we're just plowing through these. Um, <laughs> and I'm sure we'll come back to some of these later. Um, Town called Mercy. Um, your thoughts on a Town called Mercy? Um, 
I, I get really complicated feelings about a time, town called Mercy because I have very complicated feelings every time it feels like, okay, we are going to tell a thinly veiled Nazi story. Sure. Um, especially when the whole point of the episode is like, but he's such a nice guy and he did good things now. But he did these horrible things. But, um... Well, can, should I should I go first then, just to kind of just kind of yes. get my thoughts? Um, I actually I did not like a town called Mercy when I first saw it. I liked it. This is another one. I liked a lot more watching it now. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually am watching it now. I was kind of like I am actually quite fond of this episode. It's it's um partly because I I am a fan of westerns and you're not, so that's part of it. Um, and it does kind of borrow some western tropes pretty well. Um, parts of the score kind of sound like a Morricone score, so I'm kind of down with that. Um, so it kind of, you know, it was kind of on my side to a degree that I wasn't expecting it to be. Um, but this is kind of what I want Dr. Who to do sometimes is to kind of really try to grapple with the issue of, you know, with, with some big issue of morality and dealing with the doctor's morality in terms of his, um, unwillingness to just out and out kill villains, which is what he did in the very last episode, but you know, whatever, versus, uh, you know, there is this kind of gray area morality. See, but that's, that's my thing. Like, that's what the episode could have been. Mm-hmm. But I don't feel that that's what the episode is because it's so inconsistent. Because this doctor di- has just killed people. And so- <laughs> I think you have to view it, like, just as its own story and pretend it doesn't exist in context with anything else. And in I order to get that, that reading, in order so to... annoying. that right. is what is so hard for me with a lot of Moffat episodes is they feel like they're supposed to be like little snippets, and and so it's how how is there ever any character growth if the idea is that they're different characters in every episode? And I absolutely agree with you. I think it was like I was so like bummed from uh, Asylum of the Daleks and then from so much of uh, Dinosaurs on a Spaceship that when it was even slightly kind of what I wanted to see, I found myself responding to it. Um, I did find myself really responding to that moment where the doctor is um, the kid with the gun who is, um, you know, and he has to talk him down from from shooting him essentially and the, the lynch mob and that sort of thing. I, I yes. quite liked that moment. Um, well, and so this is what bothers me. You have this wonderful moment where you have the doctor saying, don't you see, violence doesn't end violence, it just extends it. Um, And I like that. (laughs) That's good. But then he goes right back to this point where, and I don't know, it it feels very contradict me to me what he does as a character in the episode. And I end. I mean, I just feel like the doctor's kind of an asshole in this episode. Oh, he he is kind of an asshole in this episode. I mean, it's definitely one of those things where the eleventh doctor it just is kind of an asshole almost all the time. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it's almost like it doesn't have some of the stuff. That, I mean, it doesn't really have sexism because there are barely any female characters in it. So like, <laughs> hey, yay, success. Um, you know, I don't feel like women are being belittled or or objectified as much because there's only Amy and then like one courtesan prostitute person who really has no lines. So, yay. No, not at all. So, and I want to read my quote for the episode because I want to talk about it too. Okay, sure. Um, this is our, this is our quote. Because, um, and the reason I picked this quote is because... It is the epitome of the problem I have with the Doctor in this episode. Go ahead. Um, And he says this at one point. He's frustrated, and he just says, Frightened people, give me a Dalek any day. And that is so fundamentally opposed to my Doctor. Right. The Doctor that always has hope in people. That's true. I mean, I kind of read that meaning more like mob mentality. People like people with a mob mentality are are as evil as the most evil thing in the universe, sort of thing. Um, and I get that, but but I just... but it's it's a it's badly written as a line because mm-hmm. it can be. It, it, he's not really saying that. He's saying something else. So um, I like the intention behind the line, and I liked the fact that the humans are kind of the villains of this story. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I like the kind of great morality of it, but you're right that the line as written is, is really confusing and really silly. Well, but I think the line as written also exposes a lot of how the Doctor acts in this episode. Is he he wants something to hate. He wants something that he can just out and out say, oh, you're wrong. Right. Um, and he doesn't like the complicatedness. And that's the whole point of the story. The the Nazi doctor stand-in says as much, like, you can't handle the fact that I am both this killer and a, a philanthropist. Um, and then the guy ends up killing himself. So it's like, okay, that didn't seem to make much sense. Yeah, no, I mean, plot-wise, this story is kind of all over the place. And, you know, it, it really... Um the wheels are really creaking on this one um, yeah. and the way that it, it does do that thing of having characters talk about themselves. I mean, you know, you wish that line had come from someone else mm-hmm. or you wish that like, you know, the doctor wanders into this story, which is about these way completely different characters. And then suddenly these characters, the, you know, this guy who's about to be killed by the gunslinger is making his story all about the doctor ultimately, mm-hmm. which is, um, which is silly. Um, so, Yes, I do have problems with this one, but, you know, kind of, like, if you ask me which one of the three I'd rewatch again, um, I'd definitely rather rewatch A Town Called Mercy than um, A Sound of the Daleks or uh, Dinosaurs on a Spaceship. Hmm. I mean, what, where would you place these three in terms of quality? Like, if yeah, you were just no, rating no, these three. I, I would probably put A Town Called Mercy first, and then, man... I would probably put Asylum of the Dalam second, though, and, um... That's what's on a spaceship. Thank you. What's funny is they literally came up with that title. Like, they they just came up... Dinosaurs on a spaceship, and then they handed the title to a guy and said, now write that. And that's... As you can tell. You can pretty much tell that that's exactly what happened. Um, by how that... Oh, and the sexism. Oh, yeah, the sexism was awful on that one. You know, and in Asylum of the Daleks as well. You know, can we... Um, <laughs> again, um, we've got a couple more minutes, uh, and you've already read the quote, so um, do we have any more thoughts on any one of these three episodes? Honestly, I, I, I think, you know, I'm, I'm griping and moaning, but they're, they're fun episodes. They are little action movies. They have... Each one has a very specific flavor it's almost like they're trying on different genres for size um and i think what i find uh unconvincing for other people feels very whimsical sure Um, and i appreciate whimsy it just doesn't you know get my my whimsy going (laughs) (laughs) right um yeah i mean you know for me i you know it i kind of the really silly stuff, I mean, I get, like, if you're a casual fan and you're just watching these and it's just, like, a fun thing to watch, I kind of get why you would kind of like this. Like, oh, it's just fun. You don't really have to think about it. It's kind of got crazy stuff going on all the time. But there's just very little meat to any one of these three. And what what meat there is, they just kind of waltz past in favor of, like, and look, we're riding a dinosaur. Isn't that great? Um, and I don't, I mean... Good science fiction shouldn't be that. I say this a lot when I kind of criticize the Moffat era, but if the show is literally just like, and then the the adventures of this goofy guy who walks around cracking jokes, I have better things to do with my time, you know? Yeah, and especially jokes that sometimes don't even make sense. Oh, um, I will, we will end this with, uh, with a particular quote. The, uh, um, I speak horse, and then he says, uh, his name is Sue, and you should. And he wants you to respect his life choices. And then the doctor is talking to the horse through the next scene. Like while he's riding the horse, he's like treating the horse as another character in the story. How do you feel about that? Um. <laughs> well, I feel like if that were true, the doctor should be able to talk to a whole lot more animals and. That could be a completely different. I mean, it just doesn't. It. <laughs> it who doesn't mean Doolittle? Is Doolittle, you know, the doctor's name? Um, right. And, and that's kind of the point I'm making is if they wanted to say, like, this is some kind of intelligent life form, it's like, okay, well, 
this isn't men in black. This isn't, you know. Right, right. This isn't, it isn't like, the, the implication is the doctor can just speak to animals now for no reason. But he never does it except for when there's like, it's a funny line. Okay, first of all, it is kind of a cute thing to do. And to be like, he wants you to respect his life choices. Um, okay. A, to kind of use transgender, transgender issues in that way belittles them. Because it implies, you know, for me, it feels very insulting. It's very hard, I mean, to be able to say to even who that's insulting to, because it is such a weird kind of issue of gender. I mean, we don't know what the actual, I'm assuming. But yeah, it's it makes a joke that belittles everything. It, 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 it turns the transgender issue into a joke because it's referring to this animal who doesn't have the neural capacity to understand concepts of gender mm-hmm. and it gives us no reason to think that this animal does actually under you know like like it's um it it makes a joke out of something that could have been an interesting storyline like you know and and that's my thing with it like like we said with the asylum of the daleks they have moments where there could be something really interesting going on and they use them as a joke and that's ultimately, I think, if you wanted to sum up a lot of my issues with the Moffat run, that's that's it in a nutshell. Um, I'm trying not to make these uh, this kind of series of episodes um, just a Moffat bitch fest. So I'm trying to include positive stuff as we see it as well. Oh, um, yeah. So hopefully, future episodes we will we will talk about more positive things um, as well because yeah, there are Oswald's some good episodes coming. Oswald's real cute. Um, she is uh Rory is awesome. Rory is awesome and uh you you were remarking about how attracted you were to him on a couple of occasions. Yeah, he's real cute. Um and I did like the I did like the kind of the gunslinger design and I liked the you know, I liked I did like a town called Mercy. I, I thought that was pretty well executed. Um it it's not as good as it could be, but it was not there was less of the horrifying stuff, you know, and I think that that's if that's a vote of confidence, it was like, yes, this is fun, and there's some interesting stuff going on, and it has hardly any of the stuff that really just makes me grind my teeth with current Doctor Who. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I think that's it. Any further thoughts on any one of these three? Nope. All right. Um, tell me where they can find you on the internet. I am Inky Osa, which is I N K Y O S A at Tumblr and Twitter. Nice. And I am Daniel E. Harper in both uh, Tumblr and Twitter. And uh, you can email us at uh, podcast at gmail.com if you're so inclined. Uh, in the next um, episode, we're going to be talking about the next three episodes, um, which includes a Christmas episode, so it's going to be The Power of Three, The Angels Take Manhattan, yay, and then The Snowmen. Um, you can decide for yourself whether that yay is ironic or not. Oh, um, looking forward to those three, Power of Three, Angels Take Manhattan, and The Snowmen? Oh, you know, you know I, I am. <laughs> and that will uh, take us to the end of the uh, Amy and Rory era, so... Um, Fun times, fun times. Uh, any more thoughts on anything that we've had to say today, or uh, you think you're ready? Uh, we don't have a quote to end up with, so we're just going to say goodbye here in a sec. Yeah, don't kill your dinosaurs, kids. Don't kill your dinosaurs, kids. That Maybe that is the uh, name. Wow, name of the episode right there. Don't kill your dinosaurs, <laughs> kids. Um, thanks a lot for listening, and uh, look forward to next week. Cheers. Bye.